Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Good morning, church. Good to be with you here in the house of the Lord. I'm encouraged to see you giving this time to Jesus, you know, giving this hour to Jesus, whether you drove uh, down or up or side to side to get here. Uh, God brings us together to the glory of his name, and it makes a difference that you give him the sacred hour. So thank you for making that commitment. And we're talking about humanize me. I wonder if you've got a favorite little vignette in this uh, opening video yet. <laughs> favorite little picture. I love when that kid comes up and kisses the, uh, the, the guy on the forehead, you know. You just think, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. We get to be part of something like that. So uh, God made us human beings, and, um, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus said, I'm fully human, and the more you act like me, the more human you're going to be before God and before one another. So that's what we're trying to study all about this series, and we're looking today at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, as we talk about justice this morning. So whether you brought your Bibles uh, or if you need one, uh, we've got some Bibles in the back. You can throw your hand in the air. We'll bring one to you, or you can turn on your phone if that's where you interact with the Word of God. And let's look at Luke 18. And as we open our scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, your Word comes to us and speaks to us through your holy scriptures. And so we do pause, and we're serious about it, Lord, to ask you to help us. We don't come here and give this hour because of some habit or or some other expectation. We come, Lord, because we need to be in your presence. We need to know your love. And we need to hear your voice. So, Lord, speak by your holy word. Open our minds to think things we haven't thought before. Open our hearts to feel things we haven't felt before. Open us to your saving word. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said... Amen. Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you. He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? My first uh, car was a Jeep Renegade. Any Jeep Renegade people in the house? I loved, actually, yeah, Josh, really. I actually, I I love that car. I love that car. I kind of miss it. Even though it broke down every two weeks like clockwork. It was like it had a timer on it that got reset at the shop, 14, and it just went tick, 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 and most of the the time that I owned that Jeep, I had to back it into a parking space on a downhill, okay? Why? 
because I would have to climb into it and let it roll and pop the clutch to get going. That was how bad my Jeep was. I loved it. But when I was headed off to college, I needed a more reliable car, so I took it down to Motor City to the used car lot. And, uh, and as they were assessing the value of the car, uh, they kind of took it around back. And the, the car was blue, the Jeep was blue, but the paint had oxidized to the point where it kind of looked like faded blue jeans, which I kind of liked. But they took the car back, and while they were back there, they buffed and polished the hood of the Jeep. So they wanted to see if they could fix the oxidization or not. So it, when it came back out, it had this gigantic, shiny spot in the middle of the top of the, it's like the clean spot on your kitchen floor. It's like, what am I going to do now? And we didn't make a deal. And so I was supposed to get into this Jeep and drive off with it with this gigantic spot on the hood of my car. And I was enraged. I mean, this is ridiculous. And I was just, I went ballistic. I mean, what is this? What is going on? This is unfair. I am, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to make this right. And you're going to make this right. I know lawyers. I've got people in high place. I am going to sue this place into the dirt. I mean, I'm going to burn this place down. I don't care if it has to go to the Supreme Court. There's going to be justice for me and for my Jeep. Now, all of that that I just said was the dialogue that went on in my own head, right? In the real world, I wrote a really angry letter, which I never mailed. But injustice, injustice, unfair. Have you experienced some of that in the world? Have you experienced a lot of it? It can be dehumanizing. We're thick into the series called Humanize Me because Jesus is revealed as the humanity the world needs. He's fully God, he's fully human. And the more we act like Jesus, the more human we are before God and, and to one another. And so we want to we live into that. We want to imitate Jesus as he is working to humanize us. And we've been surprised at the forces that push us away from being human as God intends. We started at the beginning reading a, a list of poverties from a community in Rwanda, and we were surprised to find that the things that they said were poverties that, that kept you, them from feeling fully human were things that we experience, that we feel, that we fight against. So we've talked about, well, what is dehumanization? We've talked about um, different types of poverty, hunger poverty, body poverty, like when you don't feel at home in your own skin, when your relationship with your physical body is causing you to kind of hold back, you're not free. We've talked about creativity poverty, that we as humans, we were made in the image of God, and God is a creator. So sometimes when we can't make, we were made to make. And there's a frustration of, of creativity poverty. There's a poverty of dignity we talked about. And last week we talked about a poverty of progress. And being part of the church, the fun part is, the good news is, we get, to, we get to do some stuff. I mean, because Jesus cares about these things, he motivates us to care about these things, we actually make, get to be part of removing or alleviating some of these poverties. We get to help other people to be more human, and we get to make a change in the world. Well, today we're talking about another one, a poverty of justice. Justice. Justice, that's a big word. Here's how I mean it. Justice. When I say justice, I don't mean what you think is fair 
or what this group thinks is fair, or what that group thinks is fair. When I say justice, I'm talking about what God says is fair. I'm talking about biblical justice. What's biblical justice? Biblical justice is the world as God expects it to be. The world as God would have it. The truth is, I've always lived in a a system of justice. I mean, I'm not someone who could stand up here and say, I have, have fought against injustice, you know, that I've been pressed against by injustice. That's not my story. The truth is that for me, uh, growing up, I could reasonably expect that I would enjoy the fair and equal privileges and protections of the law, that they would be applied to me as I grew up. But friends, that's not true everywhere, and it's not true for everyone. Should we care about injustice? Does God care about injustice? What can we do to be a part of how God is bringing justice to the world in which we live? The story Jesus tells, we're told, is primarily about prayer. It's about prayer. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always, what? Pray. Pray. And not, what? Give up. So why does he tell this story? Because he wants us to always pray and never give up. And then he tells us this story. He says, once upon a time, there is a widow. Why a widow? A widow... In Jesus' time and in his day, this would be the person that you would expect to have the least amount of recourse according to the law. This would be a person who's so far marginalized by society, she's got no way to expect the fair application of the law in her life. This is someone who's out there who could never find justice, okay? She doesn't have a father to defend her and advocate for her. She doesn't have a husband to speak up for her cause in the public courts. So a widow was someone that everyone would know, oh, oh, she's helpless. She's vulnerable. But what has she got? She's got pluck, right? She's got pluck. And so here she comes, and she comes. She's knocking on somebody's door. She's knocking on the door of the unjust judge. Now, here's what I want you to see. Jesus is making a, a cartoon figure here, okay? He's making a caricature. This judge is, uh, is meant to be kind of laughable to us. Who's the judge? Verse 2. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Totally morally bankrupt. I mean, he's a, a villain. He's like that cartoon villain with the, uh, the black mustache, you know? The <laughs> what? You remember his name? Anybody remember his name? Snidely Whiplash, thank you. <laughs> I don't know where that, I don't even know what that means, but you know, that, that cartoon villain twisting his mustache, just thinking of ways to do harm, and as always tying people down to railroad tracks and all that kind of stuff, right? That's what we're supposed to think of this guy. He's a joke. Somebody who doesn't fear God, doesn't fear anybody, totally morally bang. He's Black Bart from Casa Bonita, okay? Anybody, anybody there? Anybody there? Oh, don't go there. You'll get sick. <laughs> He's a villain. He's totally morally bankrupt. But the widow comes to his place. 
And what does she do? She starts knocking. She starts knocking, knocking on the door. She says, hey, give me justice. Even though you're a joke, even though you're a cartoonish figure of a man, you're the one who's in power to give me justice. And she knocks, and she knocks. And she says, give me justice against the one who took my justice away. Now, what's she looking for? What's she hoping for? She's hoping that something will emerge out of this, this, this joker that, that would cause him to bring justice. He's got the authority to apply justice to her life, to apply what's right in her life. And so she's waiting, she's hoping that something might emerge in him where he would have the courage to apply justice. Why? Because justice on paper is nothing. Justice has to be applied to matter to our lives. And so she's waiting for him to bring justice. Finally, the the unjust judge relents, right? Verse 4, for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. You see how he's a caricature? You see how he's a cartoon? No one would say this about themselves. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I'm an evil man who only does evil things and does dastardly in all ways, right? Even though that, even though that's who I am. Look, verse 5. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. See, he is a joke. He's a caricature. I'm glad you laughed when I read that, you know, earlier when I read, by the way, the holy and divine word of God. (laughs) But I'm glad you laughed because Jesus is trying to make us smile. Look at this ridiculous figure. But he says, even I, even I am going to bring justice. I'm going to do it. Why? Because I don't want this thing to roll back up on me, give me a black eye. And what does Jesus say? He says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And he turns to his followers, all those who are listening to him, and he says this. He says, do you really think God is like that? Do you really think God is is like that? What's the story about? It's about prayer. That you should always pray and never give up. You should always what? And never you should always pray and never give up. And what is prayer? Prayer is conversation with God. So Jesus is making a point here that prayer, this conversation with God, it's open to all people. It's open to the widow. It's open to the unjust judge. It's open to a man, a woman, rich or poor. It's open to child and adult, sinner or saint. The access is there. And you should always pray. You have access to a conversation with the omnipotent, sovereign Lord God Almighty. You can bring your case. You can bring your case to him directly. He's listening and he hears you. You don't have to wait for your case to go through local court and, and, and district court and circuit court and supreme court. And I don't even know if I got all those right. Because your case goes directly before the highest justice there is, before justice himself. Your case in prayer goes before the Lord God Almighty. So you should always pray. And you should never give up. Why would we give up? Well, because sometimes that conversation doesn't feel like it's getting anywhere. 
And sometimes prayer, it feels like we're, we're, we're throwing our deepest longings, our deepest needs against a wall of silence. And something in us starts to think, starts to wonder, is God an unjust judge? Is God a villain? And Jesus wants you to know, always pray. Never give up. God isn't like that. God is good. And even if you don't see it change like that, you can believe in him. You can trust in him. He's on his way. The widow in the story, she wanted justice. The way Jesus said it was this. She said, she would come and she'd knock on the door and she'd say, grant me justice we have against my adversary. What she would say there, she would say, give me justice against the person who unjusticed me, who injusticed me, who, who de-justiced me. The word justice, I want you to know in Greek, it's on both sides of that little phrase in verse three. So she, what she wants is justice. Should we care about justice? Should we care about justice? Should Christians care about justice? Before I became a lead pastor, I worked at the Center for Christian Study in Charlottesville, Virginia, which allowed me the opportunity to be campus pastor to the Virginia School of Law. And so I was uh, leading and helping Law Christian Fellowship, a group of lawyers or law students who were trying to you know, go through law school as Christians. It's the largest Christian fellowship in any of our law schools. And these young men and women, what they wanted to know was, they wanted to know how to go into law and use that for the glory of God. I want to make a difference in the world as a lawyer. And there was no one more inspiring to them than a man named Gary Haugen. Who's Gary Haugen? Gary Haugen is the founder of International Justice Mission. He was a human rights lawyer when in 1994 he was appointed by the Department of Justice to investigate the Rwandan genocide on behalf of our government. You remember the Rwandan genocide? So Gary Haugen, he went over there and he saw the mass graves and he took accounts of what had happened. And something in him just, you know, broke open. He said, I've got to make a change to make a bigger difference in the world. He got home and he started praying with another couple of lawyer friends and they left their practices. And in 1997, they founded International Justice Mission. And their goal was, I wonder if we as lawyers could bring justice to those who are suffering outside of the rule of law, to those who are are disempowered, disenfranchised, and, and, and they don't have access to the protections and privileges of the law. Well, today there are, I think, 15 field offices in 15 different countries. IJM has rescued thousands from human trafficking and modern day slavery and have put hundreds of violent offenders behind bars around the world. I can't tell you the whole story of IJM. You have to look it up on your own. Because that would take the whole hour. But I want to kind of shade in a little bit for you. Because here's what they found. Does justice matter? Gary would come and he'd find someone telling a story like this. A man goes to a brick factory to get a loan for a, a child who's sick. And the owner of the brick factory says, sure, I'll give you a loan. But you'll have to work it off in the factory. So the man says, fine. And he starts working. And before long, he realizes the wages he's getting for his day's labor are not enough to pay even the interest on the loan that he took. And so he's going deeper in debt the longer he works. He tries to escape the factory. He's captured and beaten. His family is captured and beaten. They're threatened for their lives. 
What is that man? Today, in 2019, that man is a slave. Another story they would hear a young girl in a rural area is told, if you want to come work in the city, we'll have a job for you and you can return money back to your your family. So she says yes. She gets in a a truck. She's drugged. She wakes up in a place where she doesn't know that she is. And she's been imprisoned in the back of a brothel. For Gary and, and his team, they'd find these stories again and again and again. They'd come and they'd say, isn't that illegal? Don't you have laws on the books against that? And they would say, of course we have laws against that. You know, who do you think we are? And they'd say, well, why aren't you enforcing the law? And they would hem and they would haw and they'd say, well, you know, we're thinking about it. And then after a while, they would come to find out, well, we're not enforcing the law because the owner of the brick factory is the governor's brother. And on the client list is the chief of police, you see? But for Gary, as a Christ follower, that wasn't good enough. Justice had to come. And so what would they do? They would take the posture of the widow, and they would start knocking on the doors of authority. Say, hey, what are you doing? When are you going to enforce your own laws? When are you going to bring justice and the protections and the privileges of the law straight across the board? When are you going to bring justice? And they would knock and they would knock and they would point out the illegalities and they would just keep asking, keep asking, keep empowering authorities and, 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 and lawyers locally in the area and police forces locally in the area and eventually, eventually, justice would come. It would break out. A beautiful thing. See, when people are outside of the protections and privileges of the law, they can be quickly dehumanized and treated less than human. Horrible things happen, and God cares about that. God is a God who's just. He hates injustice, and he loves justice. And just in case we're tempted to forget that, he's put that on almost every second page of Scripture. The Bible tells us over and over again, He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the peoples with what? Justice, Psalm 9.8. The Lord is known by His justice, Psalm 9.16. Quick hint, the answer is justice on all these, okay? For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice, Psalm 11.7. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, Psalm 103.6. My arm will bring justice to the nations, Isaiah 51.5. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Justice, Ezekiel 34. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Amos 5:24. God is just. He loves justice. In 1998, IJM ran their first raid of a brothel in India. And they emancipated, uh, I think, nearly two dozen uh, underage girls who had been kept in prison there. And they've done that kind of work over and over and over again. On one occasion, they freed a, a girl 16 years old, and they think that she had been kept for about nine months and abused. And they went back to the room where she had been imprisoned, And they found that she had written a Bible verse 
on the wall next to her bed. It was Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? She wrote that there because she was praying and waiting and believing that her rescue would come. And it did. It did. It did. And you and I know rescue doesn't always come. But for her it did. Because followers of Jesus, moved by the heart of Jesus, risked everything that they had for Jesus and came and kicked down a wall and found a girl and brought her home. Does God care about injustice? Wherever we find injustice in the eyes of God across the face of this world, someone's getting hurt. Someone's getting dehumanized. And God cares because God is just. Wherever we find it, friends, let's move. Let's move. Amen? But Jesus told this story so that we would always pray and never do what? Never give up. Always pray and never give up. Well, why wouldn't we pray? And why would we give up? Well, because when... When justice is slow coming, when the machine moves so slow, when we wait and we watch, we wonder if God is going to move and do anything at all, we can lose heart. We don't know why some prayers are answered and some aren't. We don't know why we have to wait and wait for God to move at times. And other times it's like that. We don't have the answers to those questions. But we keep praying and we never give up. We keep praying and we never give up. A civil rights leader said once, if you have never stood at the door and knocked a lock, door and knock until your your knuckles are bloody you don't really know what Jesus is trying to tell you about prayer we always pray and never give up because God is not like that unjust judge he's not a villain he's a good God and Jesus says he's on the way verse 7 Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Is that who you think God is? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. But this, but this. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus wants us, his followers, to emulate that widow, to act like her to be like her. And he says, will you have her kind of faith? Will you have the faith that persists? Will you have the faith that pushes on and waits for God to move? Will that faith be found in us to keep praying and to never give up, to hang in there, believing that God is good and that his righteousness and justice are on the way? Will, you, will we have that kind of faith when Jesus comes back to find us again? I don't know. But I do know this, whether we succeed and persist 
or we fall down and fail, we have an advocate, and he will never give up on us. The widow at the judge's door, she wonders, who will advocate for me? The girl locked in a dark room, she wonders and waits, who will advocate for me? And you and I, when we pray, when we're waiting and watching and and sitting in our strife and struggle, we wonder who will advocate for me. You have an advocate. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have what? An advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Even when the mistake is ours to own, even when the injustice is of our own doing, even when we are caught dead to rights in our sin, Jesus pays the penalty for our sin and he stands up to advocate for you and for me in the highest justice that there is. We have an advocate and he will never fail. Romans says it this way, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? Who? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What is that telling us? It's saying, who is in a position to condemn? Who can condemn us in our sin? Who is righteous enough to point a finger our way? Only Jesus. And Jesus died for you. And he rose for you. And he lives and reigns in heaven for you and he advocates on your behalf in the highest courts of justice and his advocacy will never fail will never fail you have an advocate in Christ the Lord now as the praise team comes up we close with this thought does God care about taking away injustice and bringing justice I want you to think about this The procedures that convicted Jesus and sent him to the cross were rife with injustice. A case like that was never to be held in the dark of night. His was. A case like that was never to be received without corroborating witness of two people. His did not have that. A case like that, a capital offense... You were meant to be given an opportunity to defend yourself. Jesus never was. He took the injustice so that you and I could be named just. He took the wrong so that you and I could walk aright. He took the evil of the world onto himself so that you and I could be named righteous, made right, justified, that we could walk. He took it all upon himself to be our advocate. He is our hope. He is our salvation. He is our redeemer and our defender. And he will never fail. Lord Jesus, thank you that while we were still your foes, your enemies, you ran ahead into everything that we deserved and took on what you didn't deserve so that we could have what we don't deserve and we could come home free and made righteous 
not by our actions, but by yours. And under your victory, be named children of God and know eternal life and be forgiven of our sins. Lord, we thank you that you've revealed the heart and the character of God, that he's not an unjust villain. He's a loving God and he's on the way. Kick down every, every wall, Lord Jesus, and bring your light in your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.